It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back. Welcome back. Good to have you here on the show today. My good friend, Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans disability benefits, as well as social security disability benefits. He's a founding partner of Jackson McNichol. He has been featured on Fox, ABC, CBS, and NBC network affiliates around the country. The most recently, he most recently appeared as a guest of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate Show discussing benefits for veterans and social security disability benefits and how his practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of people facing disabilities. He's also been quoted in USA Today and is listed in Cambridge Who's Who's. Mr. Jackson was honored by, Nas- by the National Academy of Bestselling Authors with a Quilly Award for his contribution as a joint author to the Amazon bestselling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting your rights to veterans' disability compensation. In 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. And you can find out more about him by visiting VeteransBenefits.com, VeteransBenefits.com. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Thanks, Bert. As you know, it's always a pleasure for me to be here with you. Well, I appreciate it. And, again, I, you, know, it's, uh, you know, the work that you guys do is, in my opinion, so important protecting our veterans. Uh, but you know what? So, so let me ask you this. I want to kind of dive into this. Let's say that uh, I get turned down. Uh, by the VA, and my buddy says, okay, just, you just have to reapply. Is that true? Is that, is that what we do? Well, Bert, the, uh, it used to be that you could go to the VA at any point and say, I want to reapply, and they were obligated to um, kind of help you do that. What's happened now under the change in the legislation that became effective in February of 2019 if you want to reapply, you have to um, go through a more formal process where you file what's called a supplemental claim. You have to file that on a form that you get from the VA. And you have to submit um, what they call new and relevant evidence, meaning you've got to give them more information um, on, the, on the issue of uh, why you got turned down before that might change the result. For example... If uh, you were turned down before because they didn't see any medical evidence connecting your current back condition to a problem that you had with your back in service, then you'd probably need a medical report from a doctor explaining why your current back condition is, in fact, related to service. So it's become much more... um, much more formalistic, I guess is the best way to put it. You have to uh, you have to provide uh, new uh, new evidence, and and it has to be evidence that that focuses in on the issue of uh, that that led to you being turned down. So, for example, if you come in with a whole bunch of new medical records uh, about how your back has uh, shown uh, various problems, there's been an MRI showing you've got a bad disc and, you know, you're getting injections and 
all the uh, the classic treatments for really serious back problems, that alone won't help you. You've got to have evidence that actually goes to um, the problem that got you denied. So in our hypothetical, where you got denied because there wasn't any medical connection between what happened to your back in service and your current back problem, you've got to have something that focuses on that issue. So it's it's um, it's no longer um, a just a simple uh, letter to the VA saying I want to reopen my claim. But even before that, I don't, I don't know how many people I've had asked that question, Bert. And what used to happen is a lot of folks would get advice that rather than appealing when they were denied, they should just reapply. Um, and the theory behind that was, well, it takes a long time for an appeal, and I can just reapply right now. But what a lot of people didn't seem to understand is that if the VA has already looked at your case and turned you down, and you're not giving them anything new, since reapplying, not likely to get to a different result. Um, but I, I, I've had, I can't tell you how many clients that came to us after going through that loop several times, and they kept saying, well, I don't want to appeal, it takes too long. And we would explain to them, yeah, that, but you've already lost five years reapplying, and, and you could have gone all the way to the board and had a decision before this. So it's a uh, it's it's kind of an urban myth in the VA space that reapplying is the is the way to go. Um, I think clearly after the change in the law, it is it is not the way to go. Right, right, and uh, you know, kind of reminds me of <laughs> you know when you tell your kids no and they just keep reapplying or they keep asking, right? <laughs> yes, it, it only works with parents, people. It doesn't work with the government. <laughs> Uh, but you know what? You mentioned something about how long it takes, and, and I know that you and I have talked about sometimes these appeals can just drag on. So let me ask you that. Why does it take so long? Well, it can be any one of a number of, of reasons and often a combination of them, but the the way this actually shapes up, Bert, is that the VA – has to look at every case. Uh, it's kind of like uh, Social Security disability insurance or an insurance claim. Uh, think of the, the VA folks as the adjusters in the claim. Their, their obligation is to make sure that there's enough information to establish that you meet the criteria. And in any VA claim, the, the criteria are fairly straightforward. There has to be some incident or event or illness or whatever in service and then there has to be a current medical problem, and then there has to be a medical opinion linking those things. So in the example I was tossing out before, a uh, classic one is uh, my, my uh, client is uh, in the, the back of, a, uh, of an airplane in a confined space uh, hauling out the, the parachutes and uh, twists and hurts his back, and the VA says, well, okay, you have a current back problem and you hurt your back in the service, but, you know, you got better after that. This is totally unrelated. So uh, we have to get a, uh, a medical report that shows that, in fact, 
the injury that he had at that time is what started the current problem, and that's why he has the current problem, and that's you know ties those things together. But if um, if you apply, particularly if you're a a veteran who is applying on his own and doesn't really understand how these pieces work all that well, there's a high likelihood that you get denied initially. And the problem is, if you get denied initially, the VA, like any other organization, tends to follow its own tracks. So if they turned you down the first time, unless you give them something pretty significantly different, they're likely to turn you down the next time. And so what happens in the VA process is usually to to turn that around, you have to get to a different level within the VA. And typically that would be the Board of Appeals for Veterans uh, in Washington. Um, and so at a minimum, it's usually going to take, if you've been denied, an appeal to the board. And that used to take up to uh, three, four years, they're getting better with the uh, the new legislation that went in effective in February of 2019. That's moving a little faster. You know, some board decisions are taking as little as a year. Some are taking up to three, but it's still not overnight. And people get really frustrated because it takes a while. And even if you go to the board and they say, okay, You've convinced me the uh, the regional office didn't do this right, and so I'm going to give you an order sending it back to the regional office and telling them to do it over. Um, you know, sometimes even then, the regional office still doesn't agree that they got it wrong, and they turn it down again, and it goes back up. And, you know, you can go around that loop um, more than once, unfortunately. And sometimes... If you get turned out at the second level at the Board of Veterans' Appeals in D.C., you have to appeal that to the court and then get it remanded there and then go back around. And, again, that that can go around more than once if, it, if, uh, if the uh, underlying evidence is not as clear and as strong as you'd like it to be. You know, sometimes the VA just says, look, our doctor says that, your problem you had in the service isn't what's causing your current problem. We know that your doctor says that what happened in the service is causing your current problem, but we like our doctor's opinion better than your doctor's opinion, <laughs> and you lose. Yeah. I mean, that, that happens sometimes. And, right. You know, one of the, one of the things that um, a lot of veterans find very frustrating about the system is that typically – uh, a lot of them get their medical care from the VA. So the doctor that they're going to is at the VA, and those doctors are, are certainly not encouraged to go out of their way to um, support their patients' claims for pension or compensation. That's not to say that some don't step up and say, look, this, this guy really um, has a problem that was caused starting in service, and you should pay him. Uh, unfortunately, even then, it doesn't always uh, mean that the, the VA will accept that. The adjudicated folks will accept that, but um, it's a start. But but the point is, a lot of VA applicants, a lot of veterans who are applying for vet for veterans benefits, 
don't have access to doctors who will support their claims and even worse uh, hardly any of them have access to specialists who will support their claims you know one of the things that we end up doing in a lot of cases is going uh, on a search for a uh, an expert in a particular area who can demonstrate that in fact the um, medical problem that they have now is in fact related to service and that's a that's a uh, <laughs> that's a whole separate discussion but it's it's a it's a challenging area and it's difficult for lots of veterans to do that on their own so um, as you can imagine it's also time consuming to uh, to find those folks and get reports and um, make sure that you get them to the to the, uh, the next level of adjudication and and it just contributes to the delay i mean it's it's uh, it's just a, a a very bureaucratic kind of a process uh, not because people at the VA necessarily want it to be but just because there are so many claims and there's uh, a a very uh, strict set of regulations that they have to work with and uh, so they end up taking a lot of time sometimes and lately uh, I, I don't mean to, to kind of sidestep here but I have to a little bit lately there's been a serious problem with the uh, National Archives and uh, records uh, folks um, all of the well m not all but most all veterans medical records and personnel records are stored in st louis at the uh, national personnel records center once COVID hit they shut down operations there and there were literally no um, folks supplying records in response to ordinary requests they had a small team doing um, things that they considered emergencies but that was it and so the last couple years as a result of that there's been an even worse backlog than um, than usual in terms of getting records and a, a related piece of that there's a um, uh, staff group of the various military branches uh, the Joint Services Research folks and what they're supposed to do is when a veteran says well look I got hurt at this place at this time you know it's in my it's in my military records they're supposed to be the folks who coordinate getting those military records to show whether in fact they know what the veteran says and that group um, works with archives and it's the same problem they haven't been able to, to get access to those records now the, the VA to their credit has stepped up and assigned some of their own personnel to work in those facilities and, and to try to facilitate getting those records but that's a, a recent development with a small team and it's way way behind the volume of requests for records so that's just another factor that um, more recently has contributed to the delay yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you know what and, and and one of the takeaways it seems like 
if you have an injury during your service, you strain your back, get it checked out while you're there. Because oh, absolutely. You, right? Because you have to document, hey, on, uh, you know, back in uh, October 19, 2021, while doing this type of, of uh, whatever, training, service, job, I tweaked my back, I got it checked out, but at least now it's documented. So 10, 15, 20 years down the road, there's a little bit of a trail. That certainly helps, Bert. But, you know, think about this for a second. You're 18 years old, you're in boot camp. Um, right. Yeah. But nobody's encouraging you to uh, to run off to uh, see the medics, you know. Uh, and so lots of times these things either don't get reported or uh, don't get uh, followed up. You know, you, I, I don't, I don't uh, take it as an article of faith that everybody in boot camp that asks to see the medic gets turned down. But you hear that story often enough that uh, you have to suspect there's some, uh, there's some fire where all that smoke is. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just another piece. And, and, it's also, I think, part of the culture, you know, yes. the, the whole military, um, gee, I'm, I'm here to learn to be a tough guy. I'm, I'm not some wuss that's going to run off to the doctor. You know, so there's some of that as well. And all of those things together tend to add up. And the other, the other part of it, and, you know, it's not, um, it's not even the VA's fault, um, is that a lot of these records... Um, don't uh, don't get where they should. They either get misfiled, or you may remember uh, a few years ago when they were starting to uh, uh, bring some of the troops back from uh, the Middle East. Uh, the the military uh, had an embarrassing moment when the the news folks found out that. They were just destroying a lot of these folks' military records because it was too much trouble to ship them back. Um, so, you know, there are all those kinds of things. And trying to recreate that stuff 20, 30, 40 years later is a real challenge in some cases. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, trying to create records that are just a few years old can be a hassle, uh, much less, you know, like you said, 20, 30, 40 years later. Yeah, so they, those are the kinds of cases that tend to drag on. I mean, if if you get hurt in the military today and get discharged because it's such a severe injury, go to the VA and odds are, you know, they'll they'll take good care of you. They can see the injury. They'll pay you. But uh, if you are the same person and you know you you have a little trouble with your back here and there, and you know, but it doesn't doesn't completely do you in. And you you can work a little, and you have a fairly light job where you don't have to do lots of lifting and twisting and bending, and you just suck down the aspirin and ibuprofen and get by. And then it gets worse. You know, now it's 20 years later, and the VA is saying, well, wait a minute. You know, okay, you say you hurt your back in the service, but you haven't applied for this for 20 years. You know, we think this is something that just happened to you. Right. And, and and it would make sense to think that. Yes. 
I mean, that's that's the thing. That's that's why some of these cases, Bert, become so difficult and drag on so long. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's just unfortunate that um, you know at uh, at 19 or 20, people don't understand that. Gee, I may want to put these records away and get you know get copies of them and save them for. Uh, in case I need them when I turn 50. But, you know, nobody thinks like that when they're 20. I mean, you're just right. Or, or, and nobody thinks like that when they're 30. True enough. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, the, the, the sad reality is you go from 18 to 50 literally in a blink of an eye. I mean, it's, it's, one, of the, it's one of those dichotomies, right? It's, it's slow and fast simultaneously. I mean... You wake up one yep. day and you and you were you know you're 18. You wake up a couple of weeks later. You're you're 30. A couple of weeks later, you're 40. A couple of weeks later, you're 50. And, and so yeah, it it's just it, time flies like a summer like a summer's day, man. It's just gone that quick. It does. You know, I I look around. My daughter's 30 years old this year, and I'm saying, wow, where did all that time go? Where did all that time go? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, all right, well, let me ask you this. Uh, it sounds like an attorney needs to represent these veterans, maybe not all the time, but it sounds like you need an attorney. What do you think? Well, it's it's really um, pretty much breaks along the lines we were just talking about, Bert. You know, if 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 you had something happen yesterday and it was bad enough to get you out of the military, you're probably not going to need an attorney on that case. If it's 20 years later and there aren't a lot of records, you're probably going to need an attorney on that case, you know. And and the the sad part is, it's really the people who tried not to um, ask for benefits, who tried to kind of get by, you know, they're they're sucking down the ibuprofen. Um, and just getting by and putting up with it when their back goes out for a couple of days here or a couple of days there, you know, those are those are the people who get burned, you know, because the, the enough time goes by that the VA is saying, well, you know, this isn't connected to that. There's been too much time in between. And and it's also true of um, what I sometimes refer to as less obvious injuries, you know, things like concussions or mental health problems, things that, that the VA can't see, those tend to be harder cases and cases where people are more likely to need help. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let me ask you this. Um, and, and for those who are listening and, and, and you guys want to check it out, it's veteransbenefits.com. So put you on the spot a little bit. How does how does veteransbenefits.com? How does the average person afford a veterans attorney? Well, uh, there are um, there are lots of ways that you can structure a fee agreement in a, in a VA case. The the uh, the VA actually recognizes pretty much any kind of fee agreement you can think of, whether it's you know you pay an attorney by the hour to represent you, whether you um, pay a flat fee up front. But most of the folks that um, need, end up needing this kind of help 
are not in a financial position to pay an attorney by the hour or even to uh, pay an agreed fee up front. So mostly these cases are decided on what's called a, or are handled on what's called a contingent fee agreement. And I'm, I'm sure you've uh, heard of those, the, the, the classic uh, cases, personal injury and, you know, the uh, lawyers sure. charge. Anyway. Yep, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, classic, you know, you, you see them on TV, hey, you don't pay unless we win. Yep. Yeah, that's a classic contingency agreement. And and depending on where you are in the country and what kind of a claim it is and whatever all else, um, those fees may run anywhere from a third to a half of the uh, uh, of the money recovered. Um, now, in in the typical VA case, the way the VA um, uh, fees are structured is that the contingent fee will be based on the amount of the past due benefits. So, for example, if um, I start representing someone today and they've had a claim going for a little while and we carry it on for a while longer and finally win it, the uh, the fee agreement that we have would be to charge them based on the past due benefits. So the benefits that accrued from the time they filed the claim up until the time that we win the claim. And, you know, in, in some cases that's a matter of months. Unfortunately, in a lot of cases it's a matter of years. But um, we don't ever ask people to pay out of their ongoing benefits. So, for example, if we get someone... Um, granted at the, uh, at the 100% rate or granted TDIU, which they get paid at the 100% rate, so they're going to get $3,000 a month or a little over, but, um, you know, and that's backed up for a couple of years. We would ask them for a percentage of that past due money. We wouldn't ask them to pay anything out of their ongoing benefits from today forward. Um, so the um, with, within that, the court, uh, the court of Appeals for Veterans Claims has said that any fee agreement in which you charge more than 30% of the past due benefits is presumptively unreasonable. Um, now, that, that doesn't mean you can't charge more than that, but you have to justify why in this particular case uh, it would be reasonable to charge more than 30%. And in our case, uh, actually, we charge uh, a standard 20% of the past due benefits, and we find that that's enough to make us a reasonable profit, keep us in business, and be able to represent more veterans. So uh, typically, that's how these cases get handled. They're on a contingent fee basis, which means you don't pay anything unless you win, and uh, we typically don't even charge people for expenses unless we win, although there are, there are exceptions to that. But that's that's our normal practice. So the way people can afford it is that they don't have to put up money up front. They can wait until they get their benefits, and they don't have to pay unless they get their benefits. So it's a pretty straightforward arrangement, and works for most people. Sure, I mean that to me is a is a is a classic win win arrangement, right? I mean they they really have nothing to lose, everything to gain, and. Ideally, if if you are successful and they get 100% of their benefits, and let's say that they've been waiting 10 years for those benefits, that's that's a nice chunk of change. 
for both for both parties, right? I mean, that's you know, that could be it a uh, what do you call it a a, a game changing or life changing event. That's that's right, Bert. We've we've had a few cases where um, the claim has gone back far enough, and the the ultimate rating was high enough that it really has been game changing for people. You know, I've 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 seen uh, I've seen recoveries uh, higher than half a million dollars, but uh, you know those those are few and far between. <laughs> I don't want to sure. give give our listeners the impression that that's every day, but um, it it can be quite a quite a, a, a life-changing event. Absolutely, absolutely. Let me ask you this, because uh, you mentioned something that uh, I'm not that familiar with, and, and you use the word rating. It sounds like a percentage amount. So uh, there's obviously a 100% rating, meaning the VA has accepted 100% of the claim. It sounds like also that they could come back and say, hey, we accept 90% or 50%. Walk me through this. Sure, sure. I, I'll be happy to. Um, the VA has a uh, what they call a rating schedule, and what that says is, okay, if you prove that you have this condition and it's service connected, then we pay this percentage, depending on these symptoms. So, um, just to give you an example, the the most common um, disability service-connected disability in the, in the veteran system is a condition called tinnitus or tinnitus, sometimes pronounced, which is a, a bad ringing in the ears, basically. Um, and in the VA rating schedule, if you are found to have that condition and it's service-connected, then the VA rates that at 10%. Now, if you have sleep apnea, for example, um, if it's pretty mild, they rate it at 10%. If it's worse, they rate it at 30%. If it's really pretty bad, they can rate it at 50%. And there are, there are a whole host of different uh, ratings. Uh, BACs, as you and I have talked about, are a pretty common uh, kind of problem. And those ratings uh, uh, are typically 10%, 20%, or 40%. Um, depending on, you know, the severity of the condition and the particular symptoms. So what you end up with is a system where you can have a service-connected condition rated anywhere from zero to uh, 100%, depending on the schedule. And what is fairly common is for folks to have multiple different conditions rated at different percentages, and then... Um, the VA doesn't add them up. One of, the, one of the questions I get asked most often, I think, is, hey, I've got a 70% rating and a 30% rating, but they're only saying I'm at 80%. How can that be? And it's because the VA uses what they call a combined ratings table. And the idea, Bert, behind the table is that when you, when you get an initial rating, say... Um, you have a mental health condition, and they rate it 50%. So then you go back, and you've got a, a, a different problem, and whatever that problem is, say it's sleep apnea, they rate it at 30%. Rather than adding 50 and 30, what they do is they say, okay, you've got a 50% rating, so now you've got this 30% rating, but 
the 30% is 30% of the remaining 50%. So then they combine them and it, rather than adding them. Um, and as a result, it's, it's extremely difficult for people to get to 100% on the rating schedule. But the, uh, the VA understands that, and they recognize that there are some cases where even though the combined rating table doesn't put the person at 100% when you consider their different ratings, the, the situation is still bad enough that they can't work because of their service-connected disabilities. And you see that a lot in, uh, in mental health, among other places. There, there are lots of folks with some fairly severe mental health problems that really can't work. And uh, even though they're not rated at 100%, the VA recognizes that their combined service-connected conditions do keep them from working. So there's a, a kind of a, a back door, if you will, to uh, being paid at 100%. It's called total disability based on individual unemployability. Um, and that's such a mouthful that it's usually <laughs> called IU. Um, and so, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about pronouncing it as long as, as, long as you qualify for it. But uh, right. um, that lets you be paid at 100% if the VA is convinced that the the collective effect of all your service-connected conditions is bad enough that you're not able to work full-time. And that's how, um, uh, in many cases, we're able to get people paid at the 100% rate because we can show that the even though they're not at 100% on the combined rating table, the, the combined effect of all their conditions makes it impossible for them to work. Yeah, man. So uh, besides having what's it called common core math, now we have VA math. <laughs> yes, yes, the infinite combined rating. That's right. All right. Well, listen, we're out of time. It's so good to have you back. And again, I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking care of our veterans, ladies and gentlemen. If you have a question. For Francis and his team, go to VeteransBenefits.com, VeteransBenefits.com. They'll take care of you. They'll answer their questions. They'll point you in the right direction. And if they can help you out, you, you know, he's going to do it on a, on a very small contingency basis. Francis Jackson, thank you so much for stopping by today. My pleasure, Bert. Always good to talk with you. Thank you. Good stuff there again from lawyer Francis Jackson. He helps our veterans recover what they deserve. And I've known Francis now for many years, and he's had cases that, are, that literally took, I believe, 20 years from start to finish. And he holds your hand through the whole process, and it, it can be tough. So check out VeteransBenefits.com. Please, let's share this episode with everyone you know. Even, uh, you know, a veteran that you know that isn't complaining, share it with them. Share it with the wife. Share it with the spouse. Let's just get the information out there. And maybe, hopefully, they never need the help. But in case they do, they can check out VeteransBenefits.com, get the help that they deserve. They don't have to suffer in silence. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you 
or created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.